And so, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like some people are more inclined to say, yes, I love this verse because it tells me, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do whatever I want. I only answer to God. And to those people, Paul would say, hey, wait a second. Serving God, you know, it looks like it looks like serving people in his name and in his ways. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. And I'm joined here by Pastor Nick Katie, who's the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And once again, you have joined us. We are in our series called Strength and Weakness, and we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And if you have missed any of our sermons or you missed Sunday's sermon, please get over to whitefieldschurch.com. You can download it there. And uh, any of the ones that you have missed, if you missed any of them, please, you know, this has just been a super compelling book uh, and letter to look at. We just looked at, at Paul just kind of like wearing his emotions on his sleeve and just sharing with the Corinthian church, you know, the, the important things about his ministry and the gospel. And so anything you missed, whitefieldschurch.com, of course, YouTube and Facebook and any of your favorite streaming platforms, uh, podcast platforms, you can find it there as well. And if you would just like and review, thumbs up, subscribe, do all of that kind of stuff. It certainly, it really, really helps us out. And um, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, just hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and, uh, you know, it just helps uh, boost us up in the, you know, the, the algorithm, you know, the thing that controls everything in the world today. And, you know, and people asking questions about these things, you know, uh, about, about God and about what's happening in the world and these, you know, how we can provide them with Christ-centered and uh, gospel-centered answers to their questions. And so this week we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting verse 11 through 15, called uh, Compelled by the Love of Christ. And uh, that was just such an interesting word, that word compelled. And, uh, you know, some translations, of course, it says controls, or we have another translation called constrains. And basically it means being, as you said, being, being put under pressure. What was the Greek word that you used? Sineco. Sineco. Being pushed, you know, pressured into a certain direction. And, and, and the, the fact is that we're all being pressured into a certain direction. And you covered all those kind of things. We face pressure every day to, to go one way or to go the other way. And the, and the importance is, is that we are moving towards the Lord and we're being propelled, compelled by the love of God. And so we, we look at these... Uh, we wanted to discuss a little bit these last, uh, you know, verse 14, you know, starting that, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so the thing we want to discuss today was what does it look like to be compelled by the love of God, love of Christ, and you know, more specifically, what does it mean to, to actually live and live for Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. I think that that is the big question, right? What does it mean to live for Jesus? Um, well, clearly, I mean, it, it means to live your life not primarily for yourself, but 
for him. Now, again, what does that mean? It means, I think, living according to his mission, his calling, no longer living primarily to please myself, but living to please him, not living to fulfill myself, but to fulfill his, the calling he's put on my life. And I really do like that idea of like, okay, what does it mean to take up your cross and follow him? I think so many people are like, oh, this is my cross to bear. This just means like I have glasses or I mm -hmm. have uh, chronic pain or they think it's just like about suffering. But this is specific kind of suffering that Jesus suffered on the cross. It was suffering done not for the sake of suffering uh, with a stoic attitude. It was suffering that was done uh, because it was done in service for others. It was done as an act of sacrifice, life-giving sacrifice uh, for others. And that's what he's calling us to do. That's what it means to walk in this way of Jesus, is to follow him on this road of sacrificing yourself for the benefit of others. I would say that that is actually the highest form of love. I mean, agape love, that we've talked about before, like in our previous book, 1 Corinthians, it's a self-giving, self-sacrificial love for the benefit of someone else. And so um, that's what we see on the cross. That's the essence of it. Yes, there's suffering, but it's not suffering just for the sake of suffering. It's suffering that's done for the sake of someone else um, to benefit them. And it reminds me a lot of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, which I actually referenced that on Sunday and when I was talking about the separation of the sheep and the goats. But if you look in that uh, passage, he also speaks to the people, right? And so there's this, this whole interaction that takes place in Matthew 25 during this section called the final judgment, where Jesus is talking about what will happen on judgment day. And he says that um, he will say to those on his right, uh, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food, thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when did we do those things? And he said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So again, what do we have there? We have people, Jesus is saying, here's what it means to serve him and to live for him, it looks like sacrificial self-giving for the sake of others. And so, yeah, I mean, when we talk about service and serving God, I mean, I think that's a really important thing to consider that, yes, there are ways in which we serve God, which are all about, um, doing things directly unto God, right? So prayer, we're talking about like, things like that. But a lot of serving God really looks a lot like serving people in God's ways and in God's name. I think that's important to remember. And you know, it's an interesting dichotomy that you see throughout. Um, and I would say maybe it's more of a paradox than a dichotomy. Yeah, it's definitely a paradox, right? Because here's what it is. You, you have these kind of two seemingly conflicting messages that keep coming from Paul. In fact, you see it in this section uh, where Paul says, in, uh, what is it, verse uh, 12 there, or verse 11 and 12, where he says, I hope that you can see uh, who I am. What I am is clear. I hope it is clear to you. Our consciences are, are clear before God, right? We know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And if detractors uh, speak against us, our conscience is clear before God. We know that we're not doing this for ulterior motives, for self-promotion, we're doing this as unto the Lord, living for him, uh, whether people are like it or not, right? So we're not trying to please people. And 
Galatians, for example, Paul says, if I was still trying to please people, I wouldn't be serving God. And yet, on the other hand, serving God often looks like serving people. And Paul makes it very clear, like in 1 Corinthians, that what other people think or how they perceive you matters in the sense of like never create unnecessary barriers that get in the way of people getting to Jesus because you are a barrier, right? Like your carnal behavior is a barrier. And so, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like some people are more inclined to say, yes, I love this verse because it tells me, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do whatever I want. I only answer to God. And to those people, Paul would say, hey, wait a second. Serving God, you know, it looks like it looks like serving people in his name and in his ways. Um, and yet we don't become like subservient in the sense of like we only care about what people think to the point where we compromise, for example, or to the point where we're, we're so like wishy-washy that we'll do anything for people to accept or whatever. Right. And so it has to be these two things. They have to be intention. We're serving God by serving people. We, we primarily care about what God thinks, but we should care in some cases what people think, right? Um, I, I like to use this example, like to say, you know, um, yeah, you only answer to God, but you know what? Like you should also take a shower and people say, well, I only live for God. Well, I don't have to, God doesn't care if I shower. <laughs> yeah, but I do, right? Like, and I have to sit next to you, right? And so like, and if you care about me, which apparently you should because Jesus cares about people, then that means actually caring about what people feel and think and what their needs are. And so, so some people get this thing where they're like, I only live for Jesus. That means I don't care about other people. Right? Well, obviously, that's not it. Now, on the other hand, you can go to the other extreme where some people only read Matthew 25 and they're like, this is what it's all about. Just feeding people, clothing them, doing nice things for people. That's what it means to serve God, not, you know, reading the Bible, preaching the gospel, etc. I would say, look, to be the body of Christ, it means that we're his hands, we're his feet, and we're his mouthpiece. All three of those, there's no hierarchy here, right? It's not like, well, being in the hands is the most, no, 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 no. We have different roles in the body, even different churches, I would say, in the broader body of Christ have different uh, special, specialities, special, specialization, yeah. emphases. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So some churches might specialize in certain things better than others, but I would say these three things are important. And the, the goal is like, let's have all three in full force, right? Hands, feet, mouthpiece, what hands do, feet go, mouthpiece speaks. We need all three of those in order to function as a body of Christ in the world. And so I, I just think these two things, like this paradox, super important. Serving God, loving people, oftentimes serving God looks like serving people. It, it is serving people. Serving people is not always serving God, right? And so we want to have a clear conscience before God. And yet we do care what people think. Why? Because we're ambassadors, right? And what an ambassador means is that like, I'm on a mission. I was sent here to do something. So in a way I want to represent him well. I, and so in a way I do kind of care what people think, but not to the, not to the detriment of my mission. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I think that's very important. And, and to kind of circle back to the, to the beginning of, of all that being compelled by the love of Christ, um, it's understanding what what is the love of Christ. If we have a, a bad definition, you know, Augustine says, you know, love God and do whatever you want, which seems like such a flippant 
uh, you know, statement. But if you truly understand what love, what the love of Christ is, what, what did Jesus model for us? You know, even David said in Psalm 63, because your love is greater than life, that is why we will praise you. He was completely destitute, lost his kingdom, his family had turned against him, but yet he could, he could say that. And, and sometimes maybe, you know, that's, we lose sight when we define what love is and not what Jesus modeled to us. Like your example of, you know, someone who just won't change their clothes or I'll do what I want. Jesus never modeled, I will do what I want. Mm. Jesus modeled, I will wash your feet, you yeah. know, and I will die and sacrifice mm. myself for you. And so I think, you know, sometimes we, that word love is so, you know, Paul addressed that in First Corinthians, of course, and, and it's like it can become just that nefarious thing that we define, whereas, you know, if I'm compelled by the love of God, what is the love of God? You know, when we understand that, then we truly can live it out, you know. It's like that song, What is Love? Yeah. <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Yeah. Well, what's don't love got no to more. do with it? <laughs> yeah, what's that got to do with it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. No, you're right. We have to define our terms. We're always yeah. defining terms, right? And that's important. And the good thing is there are definitions. Yeah. And once we dig a little deeper, yeah, we Yeah, 1 Corinthians yeah. 13 is a great definition. And just reading the Gospels and just seeing what love looked like. Mm -hmm. And it, it looks like Jesus, you know. Yeah. And that's just something important for us. And, and you know, you mentioned the word conscience just to, to close, close this all out. It's kind of the second, play, the second time that Paul in his letter so far has appealed to his conscience, which is kind of like, again, I use this word nefarious, or uh, it, it's just kind of uh, out Ambiguous. There. Is Ambiguous the, yeah. is a better word. Yeah, it's like, what does that mean? Because, you know, <clears throat> in the course of living our lives for Christ, being compelled by, we're going to have pushback. You know, Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Uh, there are these, we're going to come up against these things. Paul, of course, had come up against his, the own, his very own church that he had planted. He'd come up against these super apostles and people who had, you know, denounced him and, and put his name down, dragged it through the mud and things like that. And just this idea of conscience, like he, he's, he basically says, my conscience is before, uh, before, good before God and before man. And he mentions it again right here. And it just, you know, this idea of what happens when there's nothing that we can do. Like we've lived our life for Christ, but yet there's pushback. We're going to have pushback is, you know, sometimes people get caught up right in that trying to prove themselves. What, what are some things we can, you know, do to kind of get ourselves out of that kind of self-doubt? Like, are we doing the right thing? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it gets to scriptures. It, it gets to making sure that, you know, you're, you're asking the opinion of people who know you best, love you most, and are willing to tell you maybe what you don't want to hear, but it's coming from a good place, right? And so I want to have those inputs in my life. I want to have people who can see me. They can see my blind spots and they can tell me, you know what, Nick? Yeah, maybe your conscience is clear, but maybe it shouldn't be because this isn't actually good, right? I want that kind of pushback. But but then those those kinds of people are also the kind of people who will be able to say when some kind of critique or criticism comes, say, no, you know what? That's not fair. Yeah. That's not true of you. Um, you know, I, I think that that's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need community um, like that. Now, I mean, obviously we have examples from the Bible, like especially with the prophets. We have people who had to live their whole lives. They had to have this incredible sense of like, I'm mm -hmm. doing what God called me to do. 
even if it's not popular, even if no one ever listens to me, even if no one responds. Um, what's interesting is that with the prophets, what you find is that they certainly felt as if no one was listening to them. And yet they were. People were. But a lot of times those people were kind of quiet, right? They, they weren't the loud ones. Uh, like a great example is Jeremiah. We always talk about the weeping prophet. Nobody ever listened to anything he said. God even told him, nobody's going to listen to you. Uh, and yet we see that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they go to Babylon in the wake of Jeremiah's preaching and they're faithful to God, <laughs> right? So it's not that Jeremiah's preaching had no effect. There were people who heard it, but he didn't see the fruit of it right away. And that's, that's important, right? Like, so it's important to have that conviction to say, I know what God's called me to do and I'm doing it um, unto the Lord, right? Not, not for the attaboys and the pats on the back, those are nice if they come, but that's not what I'm shooting for. Um, and yet it's good to have somebody around you who can, who can speak in and say, yeah, so that's not it right now. Like, okay, with Elijah, Elijah, the Lord had to speak to him, remember? Because Elijah mm -hmm, yeah, got yeah. All, all bummed out and got all depressed when uh, Queen Jezebel was after him in uh, 1 Kings 18. And so he, he says, Lord, I wish you would just kill me. He goes, I come from a, my father was a loser and I'm a loser <laughs> and all my kids are going to be losers. And I just wish I would die. And God has to speak to him and say, hey, man, because he, he says, you know, nobody's faithful to the Lord. I'm the only one. And he says, well, no, no. you're no. not the only one. There's a lot of them out there. And I need you to eat something, take a nap, and then get back yeah. on your feet. And, um, and we need that, right? And so... Uh, in Elijah's case, the Lord was speaking to him. So, I mean, that just tells us, hey, be reading your Bible to correct some mm -hmm. of that wrong thinking. Um, but also get some people in your life who are able to say, uh, I know I've had those times where I'm just like, for whatever reason, just super down, super bummed out. I need the, the encouragement. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? To say, hey, you know what? I know that you are feeling this way, but you know what? I, I really think you should be encouraged for these reasons. But also some people say, hey, you know what? You're getting a little too big for your britches right now. And uh, I, I know that you feel confident about what you're doing, but I'm not sure that it's, it's good. So we need that. And we, that's why Christianity, following Jesus, was never intended to be a solo endeavor. We need each other. And you guys, you need people, wherever you are, whichever camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's a, um, very important thoughts. And yeah, now, as we are being compelled by the love of God and we're living, you know, the life that God's called us to live, uh, knowing that there might be pushback, but, you know, to stick with our convictions and remain in community, remain in conversation with the Lord and with each other. And it's, it's, it's just so, so important. And with that, you know, we can have a clear conscience before God and uh, be doing the things that he's called us to do, even as Paul was doing. And, and you know, he faced opposition, but, but he, he's just stuck through it. And um, so I hope you've been enjoying this journey that we've been on here in Second Corinthians. We're going to continue on next week, and we look forward to seeing you again. God bless. <laughs>